It was at this moment that Nathan knew he fucked up. smoke episode two and uh this is very near and dear to me because this guy is like like my nephew i have to say that right he's he's colombian right (laughs) but this is family right but at the same time on this platform like i don't really i don't really care about favors friends like you know because it's about delivering something you know, of substance to the people. Outside of him, there's like one other person that's like connected to him that are my favorite people in the whole world, right? And they're young guys. But I chase intelligence, right? So it doesn't matter what you were doing in life, right? You'd still be my favorite person, (laughs) right? Because... So many times you see people fall out with one another. Oh, I don't like this guy. And they were friends. And when they were friends, he was the best thing smoking, right? No pun intended. But then when they become enemies, oh, he ain't shit. Like, he's whack. He can't dress. I don't do that, right? So it's like, whether I like you or not, you'll still be as good as you were when we were like this. I just don't fuck with you now. Ah, I don't fuck with you. But I'm cordial because right. I'm not rude anymore. Right. Right? I've changed my image. Ah, right? So this guy, I didn't even know where to start. Like, when we met, we met through a mutual friend. And I'm not even call his name because he's like a secret weapon, so I'm like holding him for another episode. But these two guys are like the smartest people behind some of the most important people that you want to know. And they don't like the spotlight. They don't like fame. They don't like being mentioned. He doesn't like podcasts. You know, the only reason he's sitting here is because he loves me. You know what I'm saying? But And this isn't a podcast. Yeah, this isn't a podcast, right? It's like, way more. It's like Curb Your Enthusiasm meets Seinfeld, right? But, ah, with a, black. With a splash of the wire. And some smoke. It's a splash of the wire, right? So, I mean, this guy, he's not going to come outside without a fit. Right? So what a fit means is big toe brim and all that's in between. You're not going to see him off his square. Right? So when I first saw him and met him, I was like, man, this dude is way over the top. But after three years of way over the top, it got to be real because you can't fake that every day. Like, this dude is for real, right? I'm like, who does that every day? This guy does, right? So... Rock Nation, Emory Jones, Jay, that's like my core family. That's where I come from. This guy has been the driving force for a lot of that behind the scenes. So he's like in the subway with it, right? As If I may use that as an analogy, uh, because he doesn't want to be above ground. He doesn't care. He just cares about the work 
and the people and getting the people uh, something that they can trust. Would that be a fair assessment? Mm, that's it. Cool. So now, as it relates to Pusha T, you know, I'm with it. I hear the lyrics and, you know, but I come from the era where you had to be what you were and what you were saying. I just didn't do the drug lyrics. So when I hear this dude spitting, and I'm listening to the... And I'm like, man, this guy knows something. So I did my homework. And what I came out with was crazy. But when you meet him, he's not that guy. He's so humble. And that's what it's about. Because if you've ever really been knee-deep in it, you don't want to be around it. You could talk about it, but he's (laughs) so not that. He's a polite, humble, respectful guy. And I met him through these guys. He's family, right? So this is Mike Camargo, a.k.a. Upscale Vandal. Thank you for having me. Welcome to, the, welcome to the smoke. It's an honor that I'm on the uh, second episode. It's an honor to be here. You know, seeing you materialize something that we spoke about just months ago just shows me how serious you are about creating a lane that is missing. And I think that what's going to come from this show is you're going to give a platform to other people like yourself that have such deep roots in things and maybe don't know how to express themselves or be the focal point because that's never been you. You've always, I think that's one of the things that we connect on so well is that like, as long as people know you're good with that. Right. And I think that there's a lot of people like that, whether they're in the street or in the corporate world or in music or whatever they're in, there's a lot of people that I feel like don't get the recognition they may deserve or that they need to be able to empower other people. Right. And I think that it's necessary for somebody like you with the tenure you have in the industry, with the tenure you have amongst real ah, people. Ah, he said tenure. Stop you know? playing. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that get left by the wayside because they they spend too much time being bitter, ah. not enough time being proactive. Come on now. So you doing this after us talking about it for three months is, is crazy, you know, so... I'm going to support you. I'm always there. And I'm ah, like, that's I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm that's not a question. Be, I ain't even worried about I'm that. It's an honor to be the second episode. Ah, come on now. So, so here's the thing, right? I like to surround myself with people that really know and who are who they say they are, right? So I met you and you were super cool, you know, and you were like, yo, you knew me and and I was like, okay, who's this guy? All right. And then I realized, and you know how the homie is, right? He's yeah. like, yo, that's my man, uh, whatever, right? Cool. And then I started checking. What's crazy is you didn't even know up until long ago that me and him, I hated, I couldn't stand him. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're like the odd couple. <laughs> right? Great description. Yeah. yeah. Felix and Oscar. Yeah, he's you know? Felix for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But. Let me tell you something. These guys, they could do anything. Anything. I don't care what it is. And they're called upon by a lot of important people because people have bought into who you are as a person and how you carry yourself transcends into how you've always done business. Thank you. It's true. It's not even... You see, and then it's like when you pay someone a compliment, right? 
and they say thank you. And then the person that paid the compliment says, you're welcome. No. If I'm going to tell the truth, I have to say what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it's really not a compliment. It's just the truth. Right. Right? Well, a lot of people, too, like, don't see those things. I say thank you because it's something that people don't usually see. Like, you know, there's a lot that, you know, me and you have this conversation all the time. There's a lot that comes with the social media world that the normal person who's using it for what it's intended to be don't understand Mm -hmm. whether it's the pressures of you know losing your anonymity you know that's something that alone anonymity there goes another word (laughs) tenure anonymity boy you smart man you are smart you're a very intelligent guy man did a lot of reading yeah i mean huh but yeah you know it's just like you lose those things and like you know i'm still from where i'm from i still live where i grew up at and that's like going to the supermarket and somebody will see you and they don't see you like Mike from where you're from. They right. see you like this upscale Vandu person. And that's a problem because, you know, I come from a really different background. Early, early. So, you know, before people approach me and be like, yo, you such and such, it was a different outcome than that. Right. And now it's like, yo, I follow you. Thank you for what you do. I like this thing. Can we take a picture? Whatever that be. And that's something that I learned to deal with. And it's, it's super appreciative and overwhelming, but I had to get used to that. Right. Because before people approached me like, "Yo, you such and such," and I'm like, "Yeah, what's up?" See, who asking? You, you see, know? and, and I, like, I can relate to that. And this is why we mesh. One of the reasons, right? It's like a host of reasons. Yeah. And when we got to know each other, those things started coming out because we started speaking about different things right. below the surface. Right. So years ago, I was on the Jodeci tour. Right, it's Jodeci, Mary J, Father C, Heavy D. And we did Westbury Music Fair, right? And this is when the Bogle first came out, right? <laughs> so I was the first... Pro- I just came from Jamaica. I learned the Bogle, right? And I performed it at Westbury I, Music is, Fair, right? Is it just me? Or can anybody in this room picture Sean doing the Bogle? <laughs> mm. So you got to see the first episode when I was yeah. talking about how I battled and burnt this dancer from missed, back in the day. I missed yeah. that episode. No, no, no. You got to see that. It's a All classic. Right, right. So I did the Bogle. How do you and do it a was, with a firearm on your waist? No. See, see, fire, see. No, no, no. I was off duty because oh, I was performing. Yeah. I was on tour, right? So so I bought it back from Jamaica. I saw it in Jamaica. It was a, a dude named Bogle. But in Jamaica, the artists are actually gangsters. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a I, long time. Yeah, but I didn't know. Okay, okay. Right? So when I went there, I saw the Bogle. I was like, oh, snap. And Shabba Ranks had a song, Ting-a-ling-a-ling, right? So we went to West Bay Music Fair, and the stage was revolving, right? And I started doing the bogle. And it was like six Jamaicans on this side that knew it. I was like, oh, snap. They must have been in Jamaica when I was there. The next two days, I'm in East New York in the service lane on Linden and Van Sickling. And an older man and a young kid, maybe... 18, pulled up a little too close to my Lexus and they were looking in the car. So I lived such a double life. I didn't know if it was beef or if they knew little Sean. Mm -hmm. But that's how I lived. So I used to keep my gun under this leg and I dropped the window so I wouldn't have to break my glass. (laughs) And I just grabbed and put it on my hip. True story. Because I didn't know. And they say, yo, we saw you at West Bay Music Fair, man. That was a good show. 
I was like, yo, you know what? I got to stop. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like this at the light, right? So when you said that, it just brought me there right. because right. I lived that. But those are the things that I think, like, people don't take away from that, right? It's like everybody who's going to hear that story, well, a large majority of the people that hear that story will hear the portion where you interacted with these people. But a lot of other people are going to say, like, this guy had the foresight to say, I'm going to roll my window now. Because you planned on, if you had to shoot, if you had to let that thing go, you were going to go about your day. Yeah, I didn't want to break my glass because it was <laughs> Saturday and the glass places were closed. Just kidding. So, <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah. The, I'd, have had a, I'd have had plastic on my glass till Monday, right? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> but. That's the thing I'm saying. Like, who thinks of that? Wait, well, yeah. Well, see, if you're living like that. No, I know. Yeah, you know like, nobody, what comes with it. It's a rare you know, I think what this day and age is not seeing is that because of music and the way music is now and the accessibility of it and, like, and this has been long in hip-hop that, like, you know, people's authenticity is questioned. Absolutely. So a lot of the people that rap about getting into a shootout at the light would never even got close to that. Right. So you having the depiction of you being like, wait, let me roll my window down before this goes into this is something that, Certain people would be like, oh, well, yeah, that's what I would have done. Right. Very few, but that's why this show to me is like the dichotomy of what you're doing. Dichotomy, tenure, immunity. Stop playing. I didn't even want to say This guy, man, this guy, you see why he's here? This is crazy. I don't think people are going to, I don't think people have that balance on on any show. I've never seen that. Well, Well, see, here's the reason why, right? It's the same for someone that does what you do. Not everyone can do what you do because they don't have... They don't have the education. They don't have the style. You can't buy style. Either you have it or you don't. I don't care how much money you have. If you don't have any style, the more money you have, the more clownish you're going to look. Right? Because you don't know how to put your pieces together. Yeah. Okay? Cool. So it's like with with you, right? I always because I'm I'm so not trusting. And I'm fine. I'm not worried about being got. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about that. I just check you out, you know. Someone can't sell you on me. Mm-hmm. I got to check you out for myself. Yeah. And you've always <laughs> been the same person. Every time you see somebody, it's like can this person be the same person and be fake every time you see them? No, it's impossible. You know what I'm saying? And you're not in disguise. It's who you are. So now, you get here, I get here, and I see the hat. And I'm like, yo, bro. Like, who... I don't even wear hats, right? But I bought this hat on the way here, right? And I'm like, yo, I need that hat. So he's like, well, I'm... Can I? Can I say? All right, so he's like, yo, I'm doing 25. Now, when someone's selling merch, they want to sell the most merch that they can to get the most money they can possibly get. So when someone does a limited edition of anything, that in itself is fly. Like, that's a level of fly. Well, I'm not even selling them. They're not going to be for sale. The 25 are being gifted. Gifted? Yeah. Can I see that? I don't want to take my hat Gangster, off. don't see. See. And you gotta ask. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna always ask. 
this, the, yo, this hat and the, the paper, bruh, and the plug. Yeah. Man, listen, I'm cool. I'm cool. Well, you got one out of the 25, so yeah, I, I just don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I, listen, the number is so important to me, but I understand. The I get it. The thing is, like, you know, um, you know, so I'm a marketing consultant. I do a lot of brand development and consulting for a lot of companies. And I've been integral and growing a lot of brands. And a lot of my followers have always asked for something directly from me. And I've never wanted to do anything because I'm not a designer. You know, I'm not a designer. I can design, but just like I can wash a car, I'm not a car washer. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that design, I love clothes and fashion so much to save my life. You know right. what I'm saying? And I think that for me to have an audience and a following that really fuck with me on a level of like, they know I'm never going to steer them wrong. Right. They trust you. Me putting something out just because I know I can sell it is the corniest shit that I could do. Come on now. Pop you know that what I'm pop. saying? Like, I feel like a lot of people, like, I don't want to send no shots to nobody, but I see this, there's this host on another show um, that had a booth at comp. The show is on complex mm-hmm. and he had a booth of merch at complex con. Mm-hmm. And he's a DJ who doesn't DJ. But he has a following. And I'm just like, yo, that's the wackest shit ever. You know, you know, you know what's what's bothering me, right, with doing this platform? Mm. Because see, I'm like an ex-troublemaker. Right? I'm, oh, I've never been a, I've never been a bully. I've never been a bully, yeah. right? Because you have to do this to get kaboom, right? Yeah. So I've never like, you know. So you're saying you being politically correct is fucking with you? Not, I not really. I don't care. I just I'm not politically. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not right. I don't right. See, and that's the thing. It's so, not about him. I don't see, I'm not politically him. correct. Yeah. I'm just respectful of others. Yeah. Right. So I had to really map this thing out and like consciously put a title yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. Now I do right? that too because people it works ask for me. About people. See, the thing is this: like another reason why I don't do podcasts is like I'm not in the like I've never been in the business of sitting around talking about other men. Right. Absolutely. And, Early. And, my, and I have an opinion about everybody. Anyway, That's right. It's human. That's right. But my opinion isn't to be shared with other in a right. room or right. with cameras amongst. It's other for men. it's like, for it's for yeah. our personal circle, right? Yeah. But and now, even in that same thing, we don't get together and gossip about at all. Else. It's about an energy. It's like, yo, right. That's right. How do you feel about this movement? That's if right. You fuck with this, then this is cool, and we discussing that. Right. But like, and if you're somebody we don't fuck with, it's not like we sit there and be like, yeah. And then he said that it's just like, yo, we don't fuck with him. And there's a lot of that. And that's right. I don't do podcasts a lot of the times because of my taste level and the, the shit that people have acknowledged me for having. That's right. They'll ask me about other things and how I feel about other people's things. And a lot of times, I don't want my opinion to sway my followers. That's right. I don't. I want them. Boy, to, you better say you don't. I, I want them to huh? just have their own opinion. And it's like, you know, a lot of the times I get asked about people who I don't like. But now, here's the it's thing. It's not my job to be on camera saying right. I don't like that person. Like, let me, I just may not like him because of my own, how I jam with people. Let me interject for a second. Because we connected, we connected kind of organically. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I always knew who you were. Coming from where I come from, right. everybody knows who you are. Right. But that didn't say that we would no. be cool. No, hell right? no. So... And just because I and met I had you, already again not to not to cut you off, but again, the same way that people talk about other men, people had always their things to say about you, right? But the people that I knew and that I respected had nothing but good things to say, right? So when I approached you with somebody that I respected, your you know what I'm saying, I respected the pedigree of who you were. Come always. on now, pedigree. Pow. So it was like, yo, like I fuck with him no matter what, like, uh-huh. 
whether he liked me or not. Huh? And I've told you that. See? I've told you that. But see, Aya likes. Mm. Let me explain Aya likes. Okay? There's a lot of things that people take for granted in this world. And I'm going to tell you why. Platforms dictate the way a lot of people live their lives and govern their actions. But for the most part, a lot of the platforms are ran and hosted by whole suckers that aren't qualified to speak on the things they speak on. Right? Whole suckers. Yeah, whole suckers. A whole sucker. Is that like a segment of your show? Early. It's an award. Right? I'm going to give away the whole award sucker today. The first one. Right. So on this show, you're gonna get absolutely more right. So the whole sucker, whole the whole like Whole Foods, Man, whole I'm glad sucker. I'm a part of this episode, right? So now because and here's why I'm gonna say what I'm saying. Gossip. If someone comes to you and say, "Yo, Mike, you know, uh, such and such was talking about you," and and I'm like, "Well, why were they so comfortable saying it to you if they know that you fuck with me like that?" Use a whole sucker because yeah, you didn't you check it. Yeah, so by the time you let me know, you checked it to the point where I don't have to confront that person. They got checked and they know better. They straightened up. So the people that have been hosting shows and radio shows, listen, some of them are cool and I respect a lot of them. But if you haven't lived and experienced a certain life and not even thug, not street, none of that, it's just a vast living. Right. You you don't even know how to address that without being confrontational or angry. And it's not about that. If I tell you, dude, that's not you. Stop. That's just because that was me and I stopped. Right? And I know the pitfall. So I might be telling you, yo, Mike, they're shooting across the street. Don't go across the street. And you go across the street. Why would you do that? I wouldn't even be around anybody like that. You have to trust me to know that yeah. I have your best interest. Mm-hmm. So we don't gossip. So when I talk about somebody, listen, it's probably only because they're not standing in front of me and I haven't seen them to tell them to... Because this is what I do. Like, I don't... And it's not... That's funny because that's what happened the first time we spoke about somebody. And, I like, it came up in conversation. He's like, oh, he's a bozo. Like, he's a clown. And I'm like... All right. I asked you, and I was like, no, I'm not saying that. And then he was like, yeah, no, he's a clown. And he was like, no, I told him he was a clown because I was there and and you told me how the reason you even saying that was because it was an interaction where you went, you saw him, he tried to act like it was cool and you didn't shake his hand. And then you said, no, you a whole clown. And that was- A whole clown. See, I've been saying that for a while, right? It's not like the first. Yeah, well, this is when we first met. It was like five years, six years ago. Gangsta. Um, and yeah, it was it was like it was funny to hear you say that because most people don't say, "Oh, I don't like." They'll, they'll say whatever they want to say about somebody, right? But and then they'll never, see them and put their yeah, fingerprint yeah, in that yeah, person's yeah, hand, like, yeah, "Yo, yeah. I'm not doing that. I can't. I can't even sleep. I'll lose sleep, <laughs> right? Because I don't come from that. Yeah. My dad wasn't that. Yeah. So like, my dad, number runner, loan shark. Um, he was a foreman in construction, so he was responsible for the foundation, right? right? But he ran Brownsville and he right. fed Brownsville, right? So you had two separate types of gangsters. Gangsters that sold drugs and the gangsters that did every other hustle and they wouldn't touch drugs, mm-hmm. right? And my dad was like, look, I'm getting money on this block. I'm going to make sure the neighborhood eats. So when he died and I came home from jail, it was my space. So people were hitting me on my space. Yo, your dad put my son through school. He fed my house, da 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 
And that's what old school gangsters were. So when we met, all I know is what I see, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. And then I started getting your vibe. Mm -hmm. And you know, our homie is in my ear, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, that's like the brother I never had. Mm -hmm. I have to accept you because of the respect that I have for him. Yeah, and he's I know. already had to have do some type yeah, of yeah. Right. So when we got to talk, I showed up on a um a movie set mm -hmm. that Pusha was doing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. In Chinatown. Yep. It was the short film for Darkness Before Dawn. Cool. Mm -hmm. So I never been formally introduced to Push. Mm -hmm. But he knew that if I was around you two, yeah, I mean he already knew who I was just because of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that doesn't make that makes and no you difference. Know, Push is a super like super in tune with Brooklyn. Absolutely. Like he Early. shot the Popeye video. Like he had the you know he had a lot of like Mook, you know, nineties uh, Flatbush Mook and all, like all of them in the video. Like, okay, let me give yeah. you let me give you this. Like he's always been in tune. So he, strange thing, you never know. You listen to this music. I never made a gangster record in my life. I was putting in pain. I was putting in pain. I was like the gooch that wasn't invisible. Yeah. I was putting in pain. I was just trouble. Pig pen from Charlie Brown. There was a cloud of dirt following me. I was disgusting, right? And I was like that in jail too, yeah. right? Because you got, when you go to jail, you see these guys that can't fight. I already know you're in here and you're doing 37 months. You got a gun charge. You can't fight. You wasn't home fighting. You was blaming them hammers. There's no guns in here, right? So and you could sense that energy too. Early, like when you walk in, like the first time you walk into a dorm, you know, or even like a cell situation, you can look at people's face and see who's doing that face because they need you to see that face. To a point, yeah. To a point, and I'm gonna tell you what happened but to honestly, me. Honestly, all of the people that you ever really picked the energy of was not even making the face. Yeah, but see, true, you're not wrong. But what happened to me was so fucked up. When I went to the feds, all these niggas saw was the rapper Lil Sean. Right. Well, that's different because you had a preconceived name attached. It was to you. yo. It was so bad. Yeah. Yo, it was so bad. Like I had to go in like this, <laughs> and not because somebody came at me. It's because I sensed the energy. Mm. I love music. I never wanted to be a rapper. I love music, and I wanted to do that. But I never wanted to go on tour because I never wanted to leave Stuyvesant and Halsey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, so people be driving by and I'm on TV all day and they're double-taking like, yo, what is he doing? So the more money I made, the worse I got. Mm. I never wanted to go on tour because I was going to miss some money in the hood. So that's just what my... I just wanted to check. I didn't want the fame. I don't care about that. You know, so when I met you, you reminded me of me without the violence, mm. to a point, mm. right? And it's my responsibility, right, as an elder to always only tell you the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, right? I remember the first day. Yeah. That was the first oh, day. my God, this guy. Uh, <laughs> listen, Cannon, when he's tight, right? Cannon, something happened, man. He's not listening. He's listening, but he's not listening, right? He's not receiving it. And 
that you, like I wait because I know you now, right? So I just wait for you to calm down, right? And I got to come back at you with the same conversation. Mm -hmm. I know you respect me. I know the love is there, but I have to come at you a certain way because you could never come at me when I was your age, <clears throat> right? And that's the respect level. So now we started talking. Mm. And then you told me your story. Mm. See? So you see this guy, right? And you see the large following. Anytime he tags me or reposts, man, I, my phone is buzzing. I got to pull over. I got so many followers. <laughs> and that's great. I got to pull over. <laughs> yeah, I have to because I want to see, right? <laughs> so that's great. But this guy's story... <clears throat> There's no reason why. So you see an American gangster with Denzel and whatever. Cool. That's cool. But it's kind of like a typical story that's been told over and over and over again. It's recycled. Because that was the 70s. Everybody that was selling Heron was normally in Harlem, with the exception of Frank Matthews that was in Brooklyn on Clarkson and Nostrand, right? Mm. But, yeah. Right? But... To be Colombian, mm. that descent, and you just came back from Colombia. Yeah, for the first you traced time your roots for the first time in thirteen years. See, crazy. He traced his roots. Now I don't know how much I'm allowed to elaborate on. Man, it's your show, bro. Okay, cool. So now you see, it's your show. Right. So his dad, big wig, right? Being from that place. You have two types of people. Hardworking people that just don't want anything to do with anything left or people that's with the shits. My dad was actually the left. My mom's was the... Come on now. Yeah. You see? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. His mom's was with the shits. My mother came here legally uh, with, with you know, seven, uh, six brothers and sisters um, living in a one-bedroom apartment and... You know, they're teenagers. So mm. the first thing, everybody's like, I can't do this. Mm. Like, we in a new country. You know, I need to go figure it out. And my mom's had my sister um, almost like as a, like, escape. Like, you know, if I, if I become an adult, get married, have children, I can go and live my own life. Mm. And, um, you know, shit got bleak quick. You know, she was a teenager with a kid. And, um, you know, she met my dad. And my dad had, you know, some ties back home. And my dad was like, my dad was just Mr. Cool. Like, everybody knew him, had all the friends. Puppy Champu. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, everybody just wanted, wanted him around. And he used to be in the clubs a lot, you know, tall, attractive dude. Used to talk to all the bottle service girls, the waitresses and all that. And um, my mom's was the, the mouthpiece. Like, my mom's could get you to buy this bar and it ain't even hers. You know what I'm saying? And they got together and she was like, look, you know, we got to feed these kids. You need to call some people. You need to make some of them phone calls. You know, you, you know everybody. You need to stop going out for free. And, um, you know, they got into the game and, you know, time went on and they both uh, ended up getting caught on, like, uh, a big federal drug indictment uh, that was, like, censored in Elmhurst and Corona, made the papers mm -hmm. and all that shit. Um, and my dad ended up going to do 17 years. Mm. He was in Fort Dix, actually, also, during, during some of the... We talked about some of the years Absolutely. passing. School kill, Fort Dix, uh, you know, all of those, all of those northeast joints. Um, and my mom's 
had some time deferred, and she also did time in Kentucky, in Louisville, um, did three years. And that's kind of like how, you know, my family from my mother's side was all straight and arrows, you know, military, you know, development constructed. My mom was the only black sheep out here, you know, getting jammed up. And my dad took that time to, to make sure we were straight. So I grew up thinking, you know, like a lot of kids whose parents is in the federal system, like, oh, my dad's in school. Or, and then when I got like, you know, he grew up pretty okay because there was money left over. Right. So, you know, I grew up in the area that, you know, I live in an area called Ozone Park, which is like the borderline of mm-hmm. East New York and Queens. And separated by Linden Boulevard. Yeah, on that side, on this side, it's separated by right. Atlantic. And then on right. my block is the block that actually splits the two. Absolutely. And um, I grew up with such a weird dynamic because the mob was really prevalent. Right. Still. Right. Right in my neighborhood. Right. Actually, one of uh, John Gotti's... Um, one of John Gotti's uh, hideouts that actually was on surveillance and all that mm-hmm. um, was like a block away from my crib. And right behind my crib in between Linden Projects is where they found all those mob bodies mm-hmm. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with like two different types of crime elements in a pretty decent neighborhood. Right. You know, that that neighborhood was like in the middle. Of it's still the same. It never changed. And it's, it's crazy because me and my sister were talking about this because we ended up buying the house that we grew up in. And, you know, the crime goes through these waves. So, like, in my neighborhood in the past, like, year and a half, there's been, like, you know, two murders. They killed that imam, the, mm-hmm. the Muslim guy mm-hmm. that was all over the news. You know, break-ins, home invasions, attempted rapes. And it's it's happened in the past year, but it's been quiet right. for the years before that. And it's always been like that. Right. In the 90s, in the summertime, my block of, like, you'll see a kid chasing a kid up down the block with a gash on his face because he got robbed a block away. Because kids from from the from the from like Linden Plaza and Pink Houses thought they could come on this side right. and yank, and the kids from the mob thought that they can go and fuck with the kids from from City Line and all. Right. So it was always like in the middle of a clash, and I grew up where my parents was on the news. You know what I'm saying? So it was like this shit ain't tough. Like I never thought that was tough. Like right. I never thought selling crack in the street was like a big thing. Right. That's like on the contrary to what kids who I was going to school with thought. You know, right. kids who I was going to school with, they big brothers and all of them was getting money. And I'm like, that ain't no money. Like, my, my dad got caught with 40 bricks. And, you know, like that, it was a different understanding of what street life was right. early on. Right. So I felt like that allowed me to be a little bit more, you know, sharp on my sharp on my feet. I didn't get swayed by, and I was, I didn't do shit till, you know, I was late teens. Like, you know, my mother kept me dipped. I was good. You know, she got into a tr- trouble a few times, you know, but I, anything I ever needed, my mother was the most gangster person I ever knew. So I just asked her, you know. See, and that was me. My dad was the first tough person I ever met in my life. Yeah, so who can tell you different? Yeah, and it, it, it made me never follow anyone mm-hmm. outside. So with all the killers that I came up with, I never knew anyone tougher than my dad. Yeah. Right, and you know they were cool, and they put that work in. Like I understood right what was going on, and my sister's like a straight and narrow, and my sister used to be like in this. Um, <laughs> she hates when I tell this story, but she she used to be in this car club, and the car club was her, my cousin, um, who's also in the feds right now, and a few of their friends, and they they created a car club just so they can be in the car meets. 
and the competitions to see what parts they needed to go and steal those cars. Mean. <laughs> so they used to go and scout. Like, they used to go to competitions and lose all of them, like not even place, because they was just going to see, oh, yeah, he got the, uh, you know, three-piece, whatever, that go on your Honda. All right, let's we'll follow him. Mean. And just go and juke people cars. So my sister's only running with the law ever was that, and she just went straight and narrow after that. So growing up, like, she would always be like, look, this shit's, that's whack. Oh, you think that's cool? Look, this is what really happens. Or, you know, she always was like the conduit between showing me the shit that our parents had to live through and the shit that was being glamorized in music and in the culture we were growing up in. Hence why we were just talking about, like, me never smoking weed. Like, right. My mom smoked weed. Right. How cool is it for you to do what your mom's is doing? Not. So why would I be outside with my friends hiding when I could, like, sneak into my mom's room right. and take a stash if I really wanted to smoke? Right. You know, so... It was a lot of that that kind of, like, built what I thought about the streets. And, like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I knew what gangster meant, and I knew the level of crimes. Like, I seen that shit early. Like, you know, talking about home, you talked about home invasion. Somebody broke in our house when I was 12. You know, guns drawn, everybody in the kitchen on the floor type shit. Like, I seen that shit early. I seen my moms with a gash in the head when I was 12. Like, you don't see that type of shit. Right. And when you see that type of shit, you don't evolve from that type of shit. Right. You know, so like, again, I think that's what built a lot of the idiosyncrasies about me that me and you find. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird because I'm the youngest of seven. So in my dad's mind, he was like, look, he's going to be my best one. Right. Right. I got all the kinks out. Yeah. And he sent me to private school. It's the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. It started my life of crime. Right? Because in the third grade, a teacher punched me in my back. Yeah. Teacher punched Her name was Miss Richie. Punched me in my back. Miss Richie, if you watching it. Listen, no bullshit. Punched me in the middle of my back. Why? I don't even remember, but <laughs> there's no reason. How old are you in the third grade? Eight? Set nine? Right? And that's There's the, nothing that could... Yeah, like, what the question. fuck? That's the first time. True story. That is the first... I just can't picture him getting punched in the back ever. Yeah, but see, I was... Like okay. After, after, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but see, I was a great kid. Right. I didn't like yelling. I didn't like confrontation. I didn't like fighting. I didn't like seeing it. Punch me in my back. And I was so embarrassed and humiliated and hurt. That's the first time I ever wanted to kill anybody. You want to kill Miss Richie? Absolutely. You like this bitch punched me in my back for no reason. Now, fast forward to 1991 summer. I'm on a block around my way, and I'm driving my. Please don't tell me you saw Miss Richie. No, listen. True story. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm I'm driving. What about I was driving my 91 Legend Coupe, okay. cherry chrome rims, loud system. You could hear for four blocks. And in Flatbush, the light is there, and then it might be cars backed up. And I'm just sitting there at the light, looking around. It's summertime. There were a couple barbecues on the block. And I'm looking, and I'm fixated on one house, sit at a porch, and then downstairs. And I'm looking. And I was like, that's Miss Richie. <laughs> What'd you do? Hmm. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> yeah, but 
And that's not the first time. Like, I, in my mind, I was on a mission because I was a young kid that I was a great kid. Yeah, and she left an impression on you that She was... started it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then my father was, like, verbally violent. <laughs> and this private school, Don Poo went there, China went there. They can tell you. You're talking about corporal punishment. It really... Oh, they could still do that. Listen, it was so bad. It made me who I became. Oh, okay. Right? I didn't even know that was a thing still. Man, listen, I was on a mission to hunt down every teacher that ever put their hands on me. <laughs> so when I came out of jail in 03... You had a list. That was the first conversation me and my mom had. And she said, <laughs> you're still talking about that? Because nobody was listening. So when you, like your kids, like you don't know what goes on in their minds. So you have to really... Listen to them because they mean it. Yeah. And it's from the heart. Yeah. See, people only start bullshitting when they become adults. Yeah, yeah. But children are just honest. The most clear. Yeah, and they want to be heard and they mean it. Like it's re- So for me, I left this private school in the eighth grade. I got into Tilden in the ninth grade. I saw two people get murdered. I had never been the same. Yeah, Even I mean- doing this platform is like therapeutic for me. This is like the most focused I've ever been mm. and the best person I've ever been mm. now. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like that also comes with like, again, like if we, we talked about this industry. You know, I didn't go to school for any of this. Anything that I do, I never studied. I didn't go to college. I didn't, none of that. You know, I was trying to figure my way out. I knew I always loved clothes. I ended up catching a case, you know, went away, did a little bit of time really dodged a bullet in, like, my whole time. I was just begging God that if he let me come out of this shit unscathed, that I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I kept thinking... It was funny because, like, you know, being a parent in prison, for people that are, like, developed, when you have a parent that's in prison, it's, like, the number one tool of what not to do in life. Because you go to visit your parent in prison, it's, like, a repetitive... When you're a kid... You don't see it that way unless you're really sharp, unless you, you're advanced for your age. But, like, you know, it hurt me seeing my dad and him not having anything else to ask me besides how school, are you behaving, take care of your mother. I saw that picture. You posted that picture on your page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just, it was I an saw homage. That. It was an homage to, like... Did you say homage? Yeah. All right. It was an homage. So I kind of lost count with the words, right? Tenure, homage, amenity... It was to, um, I'm going to explain my articulateness to you this in a guy. second, too. You ain't got to explain that to no, me. No, I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why, because it, it wasn't always like that. But the post that I made was an homage to all the fathers that wanted to be fathers, but didn't have the skill set or the opportunity to be a dad. But them being the dad they were was the best they could do was because they taught you what not to do. Right. If you were really paying attention. Right. And like, after 10 years of going to see my dad in the same situation and him not having one, like, bro, from when I'm nine to when I'm 15, you can't keep asking me how school is. Like, mm. it ain't good. Like, right. it's been fucked up. Like, I'm not right. good at school. Just stop asking me. Right. You know, and he didn't have the social skills to find out how to get me to talk to him in any other way. Once I became my own man, I realized how important it was for me to say to see that. Right. Because now I know the things that are necessary to talk to people when I really want to connect with them, 
Don't ask somebody the same shit. Hey, man, how are you? Right. Hey, how's, how's Janice? Nobody gives a fuck how Janice is. Right. <laughs> Honestly. Fuck Janice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I see you, I want to be like, man, you've been eating? You look unhealthy. You look healthy. You look this. Let me let me right. speak to you like a human being. Right. And not give you the same jargon that you've been getting. Because right. that shit connects with people differently. Every time I've ever met somebody at a super high corporate level, they automatically remember, and they always remember by a key word that we spoke about from when I first saw them, because I didn't ask them, hey, how are things? How's job? How's, hey, how's the office? Like, nah, I was like, hey, yeah, so what do you do? Oh, you do merchandise. Oh, great. So then I started, you know, I'll tap into something that actually they can speak about, as opposed to giving you the same rigmarole that they give everybody else. Right. And I learned that through my through my dad, you know? And um, that being said, like, I feel like I was able to wash away all the the juvenile indiscretion shit that I wanted to do early. Like I, yo, I didn't even like I told you I didn't smoke. I didn't really want to start going to clubs. I wanted to get to the money, and I wanted to be around women. That's, That's right. all I wanted to do. Oh, man. That's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, and like when I started like trying to find work and stuff like that, like it just wasn't like it wasn't appealing to me. Like I never wanted to be. I never wanted to do something mundane. Right. Like I hate when people say. I never want to be regular. To me, that's fucked up because that doesn't mean you doing something in a, you know, uh, average workspace doesn't mean you're a regular person. I don't feel like anybody's regular. Everybody has a uniqueness and everybody has those things that makes them individual. So what I'm, I just wasn't built for the mundane. So when the opportunity arose, I went to what came second nature to me. Come on now. Go make some quick money. Early. And I quickly realized by going to jail and by like, if jail doesn't separate you from who you want to be to who you should be, then you you just not right up here. You're not processing it correctly. Right. Because there's no human being that needs to be or wants to be sleeping, showering, and eating next to 36 men. It's just not human. I don't want to... I, like I, Anybody that's comfortable with that is already lost here. Mm. And I knew that once I was there that I never wanted to go back. And, and when I came home, the only shit I knew was gear. Mm. Only shit I knew was clothes, music, and you know relationships. You know Clark was a big reason. You know Clark is another one of our common friends, and Clark used to tell me all the time, like when I was in the street, like "Yo, you're an idiot. You're wasting your t- you're wasting your time." Like, yeah, okay, you got the whip and you got the jewels and you got the clothes, but where you gonna be in five years? And I was like, "Yeah, Clark, you you know you're giving me the old. There's no future in drug dealing speech." But yeah, like, it's true, you know? And, and I came home and started interning, and I worked my way up, and shit was, yo, shit was crazy. Like, I had to find out who I really was to be able to come combat my my ego. You know, you really got to, when you come home from prison, you got to kill who you used to work, who you used to be. That's right. You have to fully kill that person. Nothing about who you were before you went to prison, if you really want to be successful in your new life and your new shot at life, can be the same. Well, you know, spiritually, we die daily. Mm. Every day, we die. Mm. Now, what dies is what we don't need, Mm. right? But as you die, you grow, Mm. right? And and the new you becomes. And I'm a true testament of that because even this platform, this ain't me. Right. I would never 
I'm doing it. Like, this ain't me. And I know that. I wish that we could have recorded the conversations me and you had leading up to this. Oh, we're going to... You know what? I'm, I recorded it. I'm going I'm to play one back right now. So, hilarious. so I told him the first funny thing... I, the funniest thing I've ever said to you. Remember? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. You have to be creative with a fella. So, right. So... You know. By the way, I want that in for the production. <laughs> There's, I need you to put a little bar like right here in yellow that says you have to be creative with a felony. That's the key word and the message of this podcast. <laughs> so explain why that. So here's the thing, right? So he got well. He almost got into some trouble. He got into a little thing, and I heard about it. And Curtains is like, "Yo, you gotta talk to Mike." I'm like, "About what?" He's like, "Yo, man, he's out of control." I'm like, "How?" Like. He has a great life. Like, what happens, right? He goes to a restaurant. The chef comes out. They could be booked for six months. He has a table. They'll take somebody up. They'll pick them up in their seat and move them out to the sidewalk and give them a table. And then the chef comes out, makes him something that's not on the menu. I'm like, what problem does he have? Like, right? Cool. And he's like, yo, he got into it at a club. I'm like, okay, cool. I got to holler at him because... I want better for my brother, right? Amen. So we're talking, and he's like, yo, nah, you know, ah, ah, it happened, unavoidable. I don't care what you guys say. Listen, unavoidable. Let Had to happen. Right? Wait, 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 oh, wait, 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 Had to happen. I hear you, Sean, no doubt. Uh, not most respect, but it had to happen. It happened, and that's what it is. And I'm like, oh, man, right? So I'm talking to me 25 years ago. I don't hit nothing. How do I talk to me? I don't. So I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm trying, right? Because I need to stop him, right? I, too much to lose. The thing is that I have a felony, and... Um, the great, I have a a class felony on my record, but I was on, um, extensive probation. So while I was getting like the last month that I had on probation, I caught an assault charge for some bullshit. And it was the first time in a long time that I had to face the system. And I talked to Sean about that and it made me feel so worthless that I have done so much with my career and my personal life in the past six years. But just like this for one swing, I'm in front of a judge, and he's looking at me like a piece of shit again. Oh, I was tight. And that shit made me sick to my stomach. So when Sean saw this situation come back around, he was trying to help me avoid it, even though at that moment it was unavoidable. Right. Go ahead. So now I'm like, all right, listen, Mike. First of all, you don't know a person that has fought every day. <laughs> like, I used to wake up. My regimen after a club night was ice on my knuckles. I used to fight every day, right? And my whole crew drank champagne, right? So the first bottle that we cracked and emptied is at my foot, and that becomes a nunchuck, right? So, and that was a... Right, that was a prerequisite, right? I was being honest, right? So I'm like, Mike, collectively, we have felonies. If you're around a gun, I think it's within 15 feet. You can get up to 15 years federally. So I'm like, I come home, there's cameras everywhere. There's the internet. That wasn't in place before I left. So I come back. I'm like, yo, there's a Honda on every block. There's a camera everywhere. And and, and there's people. And there's people, right? 
So it kind of blew my mind. So I'm like, what do I do with my temper should something go wrong? So I had to get creative with my felony. <laughs> when I said that, he bust out like, what do you mean? I'm like... I start laughing because who says that? Yeah, well, right. Like, who says... I'm like, listen, man. If, you know, because he was like, listen, it's not worth it. And I was like, yo, there was like seven of them. I was with... I mean, it was seven guys. It was one person I had an altercation with, and I was with five females. But I'm not about to get jumped, so if it gets shaken, it gets shaken. Yeah. And he's like, no, you have to be creative with a felony. And I said, Sean, man, what are you yo, talking about? I thought I about that. I was laughing for like four hours. Man. I thought about that on the way here, and I'm like, I have to touch on the creativity, right, for a felon. Tell them why. Because so, so when now, you explain how to, I right. lost it even more. But so yeah. now... Um, so I say, well, Sean, what do you mean? And you're okay. like, yo, you can't go catch right. a gun no, charge no, on no, assault no. charge. So now, so do, right, here's the thing. A gun. You pull out a gun. Somebody's going to see you. It makes a lot of noise. Bang. Everybody looks. You might be on camera. Cool. Right? But now, if there's seven of them, Right? And he's with how many females? Five. Cool. He's by himself. That don't matter. And this is where the creativity comes into play. What did you suggest I go get? Bear mace. <laughs> right? So, so a friend of mine, right? Real good friend of mine. Like, we're like one in the same. If he finds something, right, that's going to be created for my felony, he's going to buy one for himself and order me one, right? So he calls me, comes by the house. I go by the house. He's like, yo, I got you something. I'm like, what you got? So he goes behind his couch. And he passed me this tall can in like a case with a belt loop, right? So he throws it to oh, me. I'm like, bear mace. I'm like, yo, what is this? He's like, yo, it's bear mace. I'm like, what's bear mace? He said, it's, it's pepper spray times two million. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, yo, um, the fuck is bear mace, <laughs> right? So he's like, yo. He grabs his phone, right? Mind you, hold on. For nobody, anybody has never seen, a bear mace can is like, it's a can. It's like... Yeah. It's like... It's about this gun. tall, right? So he goes, all right, let me get my phone. So he gets his phone. He goes to YouTube. And I got the can in my hand, right? And it feels like I got the knife from the golden child, right? <laughs> so... Can I have the knife? I, please. <laughs> right? So it's like glowing in my hand, right? Because I know it's special. So it's like, ah, right? So he goes to YouTube, and he's typing some words, and he makes the screen big, and we're looking at it together, and there's a, the woods, and there's a, 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 a hunter, and he's in camouflage with a hat on with a net, right, for the mosquitoes, and then there's an eight-foot bear chasing him, and the hunter is running this way, and he goes... And he spins on the bear and sprays him with the bear mace. The bear goes, oh, shit. <laughs> and he runs in the woods. And he stops the video. He said, yo, bear mace. I'm like, hold on. Then Sean goes to research further and starts finding out how far this That was the next point. This shit had a 50-foot spray. <laughs> you can hit a nigga from across the street. I said, yo. You're the greatest person I've ever met in my life. I thought we were super cool, but we're like super, super, super cool, dynamic cool. This has beat out every gun I ever had in my life. And it has a holster. And it has a holster. B, listen, so 
The can is this big. I was personal training at the time. I told you that, right? Yeah. So now, I used to train in the park, all in the parks, right? In the summertime, because clients don't want to work in a gym, right? So now, when, when you train in the parks in the summertime, I'm early in the morning. Being drunk and intoxicated in public is a charge. Mm-hmm. So if the cops catch somebody outside drunk, they can arrest them. Just for, you know. Loitering. Right. So they go to the parks. So I'm training and I got my mat and my, my dumbbells and everything. So I have to tell my clients, listen, the drunks are in the parks. They usually come over here, they say something, and then they end up stomping my mat and kicking my dumbbells. Should that happen, right? And I'm not saying it will, but should that happen, just go back to my car. Imagine you're training, right? You're like a training that looks, obviously, Sean be in peak physical condition. And your trainer tells you, hey, listen, if bums come over here and fuck with my stuff, go back to my car. What's the automatic feeling you think comes over this person? It's crazy because there's... <laughs> that's funny. So every time I said that Yo, to one man. of my clients, they were like, aw, all right. I'm, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm dead serious, right? It's going to happen. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen in these two months of summer. It's, it will happen. It right. always happens, right? So I'm training in this park in Flatbush, and this lady was actually a booking agent, Right? Little Haitian girl, cool. And she actually books one of the biggest acts, but whatever, cool. So I gave it a spill. Should a drunk come over here? Da, 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 he's gonna kick my mask, start my mask, just go to the car. I got everything else. And I'll make sure you're safe. So while you're with me, you're gonna be safe. But if that happens, just go to the car, don't even say a word, right? So I didn't tell him what I was gonna do, but I've been itching to use the bear mace, right? <laughs> so, because I wanted to see. I wanted to put jerk chicken in somebody's eyes, right? So we're training one morning in a park that's across the street from another park. And on the next block, my aunt and my cousins live. So you could look out of their house and see straight into the park I was in. Cool. Here comes this guy, pickled in the face, it's 8 in the morning. Yo, he is wasted. It's sad. And I'm fine, right? And I'm sympathetic until he steps on my mat and kicks a dumbbell. I got to do it to him because I got to change him for America. He can't do this to another trainer, I gotta, right? I got to change him for America. Yeah, <laughs> right? So, because it's not about I me. I got to change him because he needs change. I need to change him for the community. Right, because it's not he's about doing, me. He's doing what our community service should be doing. Yes, because it's not about us. It's about, it's about everyone else. Continue. Right, so we can't have this happen to anybody else, right? So cool. Here he comes. I'm going, oh, man. He has no idea that I have bear mace. I almost feel bad for like two seconds, but I don't. My client looks at him and looks at me. And goes to the car. And she says, is this the time? Without saying it, right? Her face is like, this is it. I'm like, yeah. "Yeah." He steps on the mat. The fuck is that? She kicks a dumbbell. She looked and ran to the car. I said, yeah. She listened. So I'm rolling the mat up calmly. Take the dumbbell up. 
take it to the car, pop the trunk, throw it in the trunk. I get a hoodie and a hat. I'm dressed up. I get the bear maze. This is the first, right? So when I get in, in the park, I don't see him. And I'm looking for him. And I find him. He's sitting down, and he has two bottles of brown. So I'm like, yo, man, why would you kick my mat? Fuck you. I said, yeah, fuck you. Ah, I kicked his liquor. And he got up, and I sprayed him. Now, this is the first time I sprayed anybody. So I didn't know that it's orange. <laughs> so it comes out. And it's a lot, right? So so you paint him. Yeah, so I paint him. And he goes, <coughs> what the fuck? <coughs> and I start choking, too, because I'm amazed. So I didn't spray him and run, right? So I'm standing there, and the shit, like, bounced back. And I'm like, I'm a little orange, right? And I'm like, <coughs> and he falls out. Bong. I said, oh, shit. I killed him. I got to go. Right? So I'm running out the park. And I'm looking to see if anybody saw me. So I spray behind me. <laughs> He's a fool. So I jump in the car. And we drive off. So I'm driving her home. The radio's not on. And we're like driving in silence. <clears throat> so she goes. What was that? Why was he orange? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so juicy. I swear to God. Right? So she's like, did you hit him with paint? I'm like, nah. I don't know what that was. So she's like, okay. She's scared to death, right? I am too, because I didn't know that I was going to paint him orange. So I'm going, damn, this motherfucker didn't tell me this shit was orange. This motherfucker was a whole clown, right? So I drop her home. And I go back to the my cousin's block, and I'm sitting there. And the ambulance came, the cops came, and they picked him up. But he was squirming, so I was like, oh, God, he ain't died. Cool. So I go back to where I got it from. You remember where I got it from? Yeah. So I'm like, yo, I sprayed somebody. He said, were they orange? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So he wants me to walk around New York City with a holster with bear mates. <laughs> and that's how I got to be creative with my yeah. felony. Yeah. But long story, long story short, you know, I definitely Sean's one of the people, one of the few people that will definitely steer me in the right in the right way with the wrong message. Yes, all the time. But um, creative, creatively. But it's creative. And I feel like there's not a lot, there's not a lot of people that do that. So I've been I've been behaving, and I'm I'm cool. I'm, I don't Come know on, man. Let me tell you something. You've been there. You just haven't been on vacation. Yeah. This shit is so whack, right? I was ashamed of myself because I was around people that I would never be around out here. Mm. And sure. then they were so... misinformed. Yeah. I was tutoring guys through their GEDs. <clears throat> and I was like, dude, like that, that's, this is not how I want to live like my life. I feel like that's one of the things, too, that I really that really resonated with me about you as a person. And as like, I would say like people that have a reputation was like, people always like the term street gangster, all of those things to me is so 
Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's wag. Like, it's so it's a wag. Like I'm a street nigga, I'm a hood nigga. Like that to me, shit. Like that's when I corny. get out of somebody's mouth, I already right because I understand what it is to really be a person right. of of that character. Right. And with you, the common misconception is that somebody that's gone through what you've gone through that has maybe a little bit of aggression that you have can't be educated professional, have good mannerisms, have, be polite. You're all of those things. If somebody met you in Idaho in a suit, they think you were a professor somewhere. Right. You carry yourself as such. You shake people's hands as such. You look people in their eyes as such. And your reputation precedes you here because of what you've done in the past. Right. But that doesn't take away from you having to sag your jeans and throw up gangs like None of that shit ever came from, I feel like, if anybody ever had any gripe with you or fear of you or anything of that nature, it came from some totally misconstrued shit. You got busy when it was time to get busy, but it wasn't like you were out there on some, this is what I do. You were an educated dude who was about your business. Right. And I think, like, you know, me going to prison and me having a, a record might have some perception that I'm, like, not educated, which is back to my articulateness. Before, I would speak a lot more casual because I thought it made people feel comfortable because they could relate to me. Right. But what I realized was that because I had a reputation that preceded me for what I've gone through, they didn't think I was educated. The reason I didn't go to college was because I was never challenged by the way school was. I breezed through high school, through all of Like, I got left back in high school for a, for a semester because, like, my, I'm sorry, in junior high school because my mother forced them to. My mother went to school and said, I want, like, if you don't hold him accountable for his behavior, I'm going to take him out of his school and take him to a specialized school because my mom would get all these complaints about my behavior, but I'd get 97 percentile on my regents. I'd get into gifted classes because of my exam work. And because of the way the school system is, Behavior is only 10% of your grade. Mm. So I could spit at the teacher, throw bat- paper balls, go to the bathroom 100 times, do whatever I wanted to do as long as my paperwork was right. And I figured that out at an early age. And my mom's was going crazy because she was already wasn't the PTA parent. <laughs> she wasn't the one that went up to school, you know. And she's like, y'all keep sending me letters and suspensions and all this shit, but you keep passing them to special programs. So shit don't make no sense. You're not reprimanding him embarrass him by leaving him back and then he'll wake up and be like All right, I get to get, I gotta get the fuck out of here and that's what happened like they left me back for a whole semester and I had to always catch that year up and um y'all straight and um you know I feel like that was one of the things that resonated to me when I came home that was like it was hard to shake you know when you from that when you've been around you know people sense that energy a little bit and it's also even a little more difficult when you have nobody to connect you in the industry because the first thing they can say, oh, this is my man from where? That's the first thing people want to know now. Like, oh, this is my man. Where's he from? Where's my man that works at Nike? Where's my man that works at Falaka? They have to have, like, a job connotation now. You can't just be friends with somebody anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, when people would introduce me, they'd be like, yo, this is my man from such and such, and, you know, he just came home. He's looking for something. He's looking for an internship. He's looking for whatever. So people in the industry already have some of that connotation, and that's what made me and Emery so close, was like, 
he knew how I felt to have that stigma, but we're so intelligent. We have so much more to offer that unless we go above and beyond to show how articulate, how educated, how vast our knowledge of all things worldly could be, they're just going to look at you like another street guy who got a plug, who had a handout. You know what I'm saying? Let me give you this. As it relates to Emory, another one of my favorite people, and here's why. Um, since Jay introduced us, out of jail and in jail, he's never been any different. The only difference with him today is he's doing something different. Mm-hmm. Career-wise. Career-wise. Mm-hmm. But the way in which he governs business is the same. Is the same. Yeah. He was a guy. I didn't know him then. But, yeah, but I'm but I, right, and that's why. Yeah, so it's like to know him now is to know him then. Mm. Never any different. Right. So you're talking about Emory was younger than both of us, mm. me, uh, Jay, and I, mm-hmm. and he was more established mm. because he had a club. That's crazy. With the mall parking lot, like. And it's twenty. Who? That's crazy, right? So to see him, to wow. see, yeah, like it's it's bro, it's like, a ble- it's a blessing, mm-hmm. it's a blessing to all involved in the know, and the people that are actually on the outside witnessing. Oh man, listen, I tell Emery all the time, like you know, I was the one that made him get on Instagram. I know. I know. He I told him, me. I made him get on Instagram because I felt like he was doing a disservice to the people that need to know that Emory Jones exists. I remember. As a person. Like, just as an entity. Like, he's changed so many lives inadvertently mm-hmm. because if people know that somebody of his caliber or how he carries himself can be as instrumental and influential in the industry that's this glitz and glamour field without having to be on the forefront, like, it opens the door to so many career opportunities for people to say, I don't have to have a natural God-given talent of music or basketball or this to still play a large role in this community. And that's what he does. Like, yo, you see Emery? Emery walks into the room and the room light up. But you know, Everybody want to talk to him. Everybody want to get a piece of wisdom from him. But now, here's the he beauty. everybody with that same... Here, here's the beauty in that. When you come from where we come from, we won't look down on anyone. We won't judge anyone, right? Because we're from where people in the gutter live Mm -hmm. as far as business is concerned, Mm -hmm. right? So we respect everyone, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You come up out of that, coming from that, you don't have to look over your shoulder, right? And then you stand to make four times as much as you used to looking over your shoulder, risking your life. Of course, it's going to resonate. Now, someone that hasn't gone through that, that's fine too, right? But when they hit rock bottom, there's probably... Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, no, man, it's like, it's crazy because what me and Emery have done together in the past, like, three years has put me in certain positions where, like, you know, I'd be somewhere that I had no clue. Germany? Yeah, like Germany, man. At the at the Puma head, headquarters? Yeah, man. Like, man, that shit still is overwhelming to me. Like, 
seven. With your name on the projector? Yeah. It's just crazy, man. Like, I can't, I don't have the words to describe that feeling. Like, and that's what it's about. And, 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 and see, and he put me in that position. You see, like, he this, told them, yo, because this guy, because you see, we have to look out for our own. Mm. Not everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once you see yourself in someone else, mm-hmm. and Emery's life was way harder than yours mm-hmm. in a different realm. Yeah. Okay. So he's looking at you like, man, this guy is aspirational, right? Good guy, great heart. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. If there's anything I could do to make his journey easier than mine's was, mm-hmm. it's done without asking. And that's what happened. So God got his whole hand on you, champ. Mm-hmm. It's, it's different. You, you come from, it's like Shaq not having a dad and becoming who he is today. Mm-hmm. Right? LeBron, who he is today. Mm-hmm. You, we are only beings. Mm. So I always ask people, like, how much time do you think you have left on this earth to live? Mm. Do you think you have more behind you? You got more in front of you? Mm. Cool. After you answer those questions, don't even tell me. I don't want to know. Answer them within yourself. What will you do with the rest of the time you have left? Mm. Whose life will you change like someone has changed yours? Mm. Even say nothing, but you're blessed. And, and I've known it because you have the anointing. You walk in it. You're special. Thank you. Not everyone's special. Everybody has something, right? But not everyone's anointed. Mm. And I'll prove it to you. When Whitney Houston sang, you got chill bump. Mm. Right? Someone else sang. They're, they're good. They didn't carry a note. We didn't get that chill. But it wasn't Whitney. Right. That's called the anointing. Mm. Not everyone was Luther. Mm. Not everyone can sing like Tyrese. He really can sing. Yeah. Right? But other people will make it. Mm. It's not to say that they won't make it. Yeah, it's just certain things. But the anointing, mm. and I've seen it because I, I have the power of discernment. Mm. So the same way I say, yo, man, I have put pain in. Yeah. I speak in tongue. I got the Holy Ghost. I can walk in any church and give them a word. Right? Well, you speak gospel on this. So. Yeah. So that's the premise of my platform, to touch lives and help, mm. right, wherever I can. So if anybody's going to be, you know, changed or whatever, get something from You've it. You've definitely helped me. I mean, that's like, I think that's what's made our bond closer was that we could do that same for each other. Like, I was able to Absolutely. give you insight on things that you might not have wanted to put your attention towards because it... You have a way of approaching things that's like scientific. Mm. Like you need to know the molecules before you even step in that realm. And this realm is a lot different from that. You can't hyper dissect this world that you're about to delve into. Time out. Did you say hyper dissect? (laughs) (laughs) I need it. I know. I mean, this is a different world. You know, we speak on it, but like, man, once this podcast, this movie, whatever we call in this this show, once this gets the light it deserves, the type of organic following that's going to come with this is mm. going to be undeniable to people. But also the same type of web, internet, unknown energy is going to come with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how you navigate those waters because I don't feel like anybody in this space is, approaches things like you do. You know what I'm saying? Listen, listen to me. 
when I tell you this is probably one of the most natural and organic episodes I'll ever do, it will be so, I, I won't, I'm not in the business to top anything, right? That's not what I'm doing. This guy, so important to me, right? Amen. I'll give you two things, and then I'm going to close. Because when you talk about behind the smoke, right? From a street level, it's the guy holding the gun. Smoke goes out there, the shooter is behind the smoke. And then you have the BS, smoke and mirrors, right? Which is the fake. Business. For business. And all things that end up on your shelves, on your rack, in your ads, in your lookbook. This is who's behind that smoke. And this has been Behind the Smoke. It's my man, Upscale Vandal, Mike Camargo. Do not forget him. He won't be back on anyone else's platform. It's over. I'm going to come back to this to do the one. Gangster. Absolutely. The odd couple. I love you, man. Love you too, bro. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Man, please. Go ahead, man. Rap, look. Ah.